0: Welcome to another edition of the Seed Time Money Podcast. This is where we help you transform your financial life using timeless biblical principles. I'm your host, Bob Loddick, and I'm so glad to have you here today. Today, we have Tony Newhoff, and we are chatting about a new book that she wrote. She's a family law mediator, a former divorce attorney, so she has a lot of insight here on this whole thing of marriage. She's a co-host of a Smart Family Podcast, and she just wrote this book called Before You Split, which I'm really excited about um, because this is to help all the married among us. I just read this stat, divorce filings have increased 34% during the pandemic. I've heard stuff like this over and over and over again, so clearly this is an issue. We need help right now in our marriages, and money, as we all know, is such a big part of this, and so we're going to talk a little bit to Tony today about how we can improve our marriages, how money, you know, kind of works into all that and how we can really just kind of move forward in this and hopefully pick her brain a little bit since she's an expert here. And then we can all run out and buy her book. So Tony, thank you for taking a few minutes to chat with us today.
1: Hey, that's my pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I'm really excited to have you because this is something I started reading this book. I haven't gotten all the way through it yet, but really excited about it. So it's called Before You Split. And I loved that you talked a little bit about money in here. And I love that you were transparent about some of the things that you and Carrie have. Yeah. How you have, it hasn't always been perfect for you and you've had some challenges in this area. And so I'd love to kind of, you know, focus our conversation a little bit on that and just kind of use that as a starting point. So would you mind just giving us some of the backstory of what were some of those struggles that you guys had in your marriage when it came to money?
1: Wow. That's a great question. Well, Carrie and I were definitely differently positioned with how we handled money when we came into our marriage. Mm. And it really wasn't something that we talked about deliberately. It sounds yeah. like, but we really didn't talk about money much before we got married. Other So than common.
0: That,
1: yeah. We knew that Carrie brought some debt with him and that I had some small savings, you know, a few thousand dollars. We had this intention that we were going to work together, but as time went on, we realized that our approaches, our expectations, and the decisions that we would make about money were just so very different. Like, yeah. We really did clash over the money issue.
0: Would you mind sharing some of those, I mean, if you're okay going to specifics, some of those things where you guys just viewed things differently?
1: Sure. We we both were on the same page as far as trying to live within a budget, mm-hmm. but where we differed was in our, some of our overall objectives and approaches. So I'm, I'm the saver, obviously, Carrie yeah. was the spender and my approach was to, to try to save, make sure we had money at the end of the day so that we could save for the future. You know, I wanted to save for our kids' education and so I would be as resourceful as I could be with what we had. And that meant that sometimes, you know, I would go to the consignment shop and buy the kids clothes, yeah. you know, buy them good, good quality but used clothing. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, Carrie wanted to make purchases that were good quality that would last So Mm -hmm. his idea was, you know, we have to buy, if it's a choice between, you know, a lawnmower that costs 200 or 300 or 500, like in those day dollars, then we're going to buy the $500 one because that's the one that will be more reliable over time.
0: Yeah, Yeah. And
1: so we had this, this tension, this, it wasn't just tension. I mean, I would say we, we got into some blowout fights over money, just to be honest.
0: All right. So how did you go from there and how did you start progressing forward through that? And how did, yeah. How did all that work out?
1: It was tough. I have to say we did step on each other's toes. We did a few different things. One was that we, we reached out for help. Finally, Mm. you know, when we got to an impasse over what, would we do next? We did start relying on other people. So we went to a financial planner to give us a hand in figuring out how much did we actually need to save, you yeah. know, and what money did we have available to spend so that he and I, Carrie and I had some clarity that wasn't, you know, wasn't we weren't just conjuring up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Something objective. Some of these issues were also emotional, more deeply seated emotional
0: problems,
1: you know, even identity issues that we were struggling with, you know, what do my used clothes say about me? And there's Mm -hmm. just, you know, those questions that come up that are attached to money. And we're not necessarily aware of why we're having the emotional reactions we are. Mm -hmm. So I think a counselor, our counselor really helped us make progress in that area and then it was a matter of us being able to get to the place where we could sit back and listen to each other. You know, it's that idea that we really do need to to fight for we instead of fighting for me. Yeah. You reach the point where you realize that for each of us to be in our own individual fortresses, you know, shooting arrows at each other just doesn't work. It's, it's futile. Yeah. Yeah, And we need to get to the point where we can meet in the valley in between, lay down the arms and make mm-hmm. a decision that if I win, we lose.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: So I can't That's fight good. for me. I can't fight for me. We have to find a solution that is satisfying for both of us. Even if it's not either one of our original solutions, we may both have to compromise and agree with something that is less than our ideal, but something that we've, we both can agree to and be satisfied with and elevating the value of that shared solution over whatever my original position was.
0: Yeah. That's one of the things that I think Linda, my wife and I have discovered so much, like the thing that has helped us bring unity in our finances has been communication more than anything else. And a deep understanding of, like you mentioned, some of those deep-seated things that we all have, that we all bring to the table based on our upbringing, based on having a lot of money or little money or being completely broke or poor or whatever growing up, like all of those things, we carry that. And then we come and get married it's sometimes, you know, but but as we sought to understand each other, uh, like that really was... I think on on a practical level, like that was the thing that I think made more impact than anything else. Now, I'm sure that you guys were praying through this whole thing. And I'm just curious, how was God moving through all this?
1: Well, I believe God helped us see the ways our weaknesses were showing up in our relationship. Hmm. So when you enter marriage, when you do as a younger adult, sometimes you think that the world, that your approach, to living is the norm. So you have that sort of tunnel vision. And I think we both suffered with that. I mean, we were married and then had a child fairly quickly, like within 18 months, we were married. And within another 18 months, we had our first Son, So it was a pretty quick. quick and in that whole 36 month period, we were at law school. So things wow. were happening, like we were busy, we were studying and working as well. So it was a, a pretty quick start. So when you ask, how did God help? I know that it was Jesus who would shine the light on those dark things within us mm-hmm. and expose them so that we can see them. You know, one of the problems with struggles in a relationship like a marriage is that you often think that it's your spouse's fault that you, you may pay yeah. lip service to the, well, I'm, you know, I'm not perfect. Obviously I have some weaknesses, but the core yeah. belief can be, it's mainly your fault. Mm-hmm. And and it, it sort of runs as a victim narrative in the background. And when you hold on to a, a victim story, the problem is that it's like wearing glasses that aren't your own. It's like you've got a blurred vision of images, but you're not seeing the nuances and you're not seeing the complexities. So mm-hmm. even in this issue of struggles over money, each one can believe that they're being victimized by their spouse in a sense because their spouse just isn't seeing this clearly and and it's all because of you that we're in this big mess. But often that's really not the case, that if you take off the glasses and ditch the victim story and just dig deeper, there are more nuances to the struggles you're in than, than you're willing yeah. to admit to. Yeah.
0: I'm sure in almost every disagreement like this, we, we all have a part to play. We all have a percentage that is ours. And, and I'm assuming based on what you're saying that it's the percentage is always off. It's always viewed in our perspective as this, but it's actually this. And
1: yeah. yes, yeah, exactly. Like it's 95% my spouse's fault and 5% mine. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, I I believe that what Jesus allows us to do is to see First of all, that five percent, but mm-hmm. then you know Jesus takes us on a journey if we let him, and then he's going to show us well, there's this other five percent, you know, yeah. and then and then we we go through that journey, and then well, there's this other five percent <laughs> yeah that you weren't aware of, but it is there,
0: <laughs> yeah, and one of the things that I've found fascinating this is it's a little bit of a random tangent, but in once i we kind of got into the Enneagram a little bit a few years ago and started discovering our numbers and all this. And and I've really enjoyed it because it gives me a framework through which to kind of view my relationships all around and better understand the people that are around me, you know, including Linda. And when I understand she's a seven, I'm a three, and okay. when I understand the way that she views the world, it's like, that's different. That's completely different than how I view the world. And if I were like that, when she does this, that would be the right thing to do. But for me, as a three, that feels like the wrong thing to do. And and you know, back to a point you're making a few minutes ago, it's easy to think from your vantage point that this is the right thing to do. This is the right way and the way you're doing it is wrong. And I think that God in his infinite wisdom is just everything human beings are so much more complicated than that, where he created us all so differently. And I just don't think it's that black and white that any one of us that we have this I don't know accurate description or something or perception of what actual right and wrong is on whatever I mean and with specifics with money on whether or not you buy an item used or you buy it new or whether or not you buy something that's going to last a long time or not or how much you save for retirement versus not saving and all these things where it's easy for me to think, Oh, this is the right thing to do. You know, and this is very, uh, an engineering mindset or something where it's like, it's just black and white. But I think a lot of times it's just a lot more gray or in some ways, maybe they're both right. Maybe they're, you know, like the way Linda views his world is so much different.
1: Yes. Oh, and the Enneagram, would have been so, so clarifying for us when we started out. Yeah. And even on this money issue, there's no no doubt in my mind that having the Enneagram at the time when our money struggles were more intense would have been so helpful because Carrie, my husband, is wired as an eight. So one of the features that goes along with an eight is that tendency to go to excess. So Mm -hmm. if one is good, then two is better and three is even better than that. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I'm wired as a five. And so mm-hmm. my shadow side tends to be that I have this scarcity mindset and that I need mm-hmm. to make sure I've you know stored up the minimum because there may not be more of where that yeah. comes from. And so, you know, having a scarcity mindset with money also has its problems. Yeah. But you can see how those are almost diametrically opposed to each yeah. other. Yeah. And it's no surprise that we really struggled.
0: Yeah, but to your point about communication and understanding the other person, like that's why, you know, I'm not trying to turn this into an Enneagram episode, but <laughs> the point is, is that when you can really understand your spouse and their motivations behind their behaviors, it really helps you sympathize and understand them better. And as a result, yeah, be more sympathetic to some of their behaviors that were maybe bothering you before.
1: Exactly, and it also helps with self-awareness it helps mm-hmm. me to to spot, oh, oh yeah, that's the scarcity mindset showing up again. I I got to read yeah. that. Back. And Carrie as well can go, oh, that's the excess
0: yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> up again. Yep. I don't really need three of these.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. So looking back, you guys have been married a while now, I assume.
1: 30 years.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. So that's great. So making it 30 years, what can you, yeah, let's go that direction. So, what can you teach us young folks like us? We've been married 15. What can you teach us about, you know, this money thing and how you guys improved your relationship on it? What takeaways would you share at this point?
1: First of all, just work on your overall objectives at a high level. You know, what do you both want to achieve and why? You know, when you ask the why questions, often why is more unifying. When you get down to the minute details, you may have a bit more discussion. But starting with why and the overall objectives is a great place to to get you on the same page. And uh, I would say open communication is definitely it's a must there there can't be any secret accounts or you know i have to i have to store a little bit away just in case you know he ends up flaking out on me yeah you really need to be open and honest with each other and have all your financial cards on the table and then talk about your expectations but when you do just be aware that you know, it, let's say you've grown up in an environment where money was a problem or it was scarce or it often led to family fights. You may have some deeply seated emotions or even triggers around talking about money. And yeah. so pay attention to the triggers. If you notice that that this conversation is leading you to react, you know, at a 10 when what you were talking about was a three then pay attention to that because it gives you a clue that there's probably something deeper seated maybe some some baggage or some past wounds under the surface that may trip the two of you up and whether you pray about it you know ask Jesus to shine his light on it which i believe he will do when you yeah. ask but also get some wise advice talk to a mentor someone you know who is you know who shares your worldview, but is also excellent and has a great track record with money, you know, talk to that individual or even go to counseling. But pay attention to those triggers around money because your triggers are trying to tell you something.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's really good advice. Because, yeah, I think most of us (laughs) who are married, we find once we get married, find out that there's buttons that the other one presses that we didn't know were there. But as soon as they press it, something happens. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's so true. And when you spot in yourself, it's like, oh, we're just having a normal conversation instantly. Like I, you know, blow a fuse or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's a great tip. I love that. That's really, really good. Okay. I want to ask another question. So you are a divorce attorney, man, a Christian divorce attorney. So, you know, and, and I'm assuming you go into this a little bit more in the book, but Talk a little bit about to one of those couples who might be listening, who maybe secretly or openly is considering, all right, I think we might be done. What would you say to them? And and especially if money is a big part of that at this point?
1: Well, anyone who's in that place of really struggling needs to realize that there are three options. And first of all, I'd like to say, if you are really struggling, my heart goes out to you, because Carrie and I have been in the deepest, darkest places in our marriage, too, and its I know it's a heartbreaking place to be. I can also stand here as someone who's been married for 30 years and, you know, and hopefully that would give you hope as well. But I want to talk about the three options just briefly, that if somebody's secretly or openly talking about splitting, you have an idea of what that involves, you know, that if you have kids, you're going to be having some difficult conversations about what you're gonna do with parenting and how each of you are gonna spend time with your kids. You know that there's financial stresses that go along with with splitting. Like if you're splitting because of money, it's it's a hard place to be. But splitting means that you take your existing income and you divide it over two households instead of one. So there's that to deal with and you know there's other consequences. What I've heard from my clients they think they're walking away from their problems by leaving. And what they've often told me is that they feel like they traded one set of problems for another set. Yeah. And it was harder than they anticipated. The second option I want to talk about, because I believe it's clarifying, is surviving. So I, I describe surviving in marriage as staying together under one roof, but emotionally disconnected. And this is something you've probably seen before or and couples can move in and out of these seasons of feeling disconnected. So when you're surviving, you may be functioning more like roommates or like a, a business contract in a sense that there's an arrangement where each of you receive some benefits. And let's say, for example... He gets a golf membership and she gets a membership at the gym and he gets a hunting week away and she gets a week at the all-inclusive. And it's sort of this system of benefits that that is enough to keep both of them together in the marriage. The the problem is that when there's that hole at the center, that that disconnection, that one of you may end up reacting in an unhealthy way to that emptiness because we are wired for intimacy. You know, we're Mm -hmm. wired to have, to, to be emotionally connected with the people we're close to. Surviving though can be an excellent temporary strategy while you work on rebuilding that connection. Saving your marriage is the third option, and that's where you both feel loved and cared for and connected, fully satisfied in your marriage. And I have to say, when when we were deeply struggling, I didn't know how we would make it back. I, I honestly couldn't imagine being in love with Carrie again when we were in the depths. One night we were out on a date night, and we had this big blowout argument, and we ended up. Talking about splitting, so for the two of us, the the consequences really started to crystallize. You know, what does this mean for our kids, for our work, yeah. and our ministry, and all of that? And I realized that I didn't really want to split. The thing was, I wanted the painful version of our marriage to be gone, and yeah. I, I wanted the the fun and closeness that we had way back when to be back again. And so I just want to give people hope that, you know, even when your struggles are intense and and we had intense arguments over money to the point where we would both say things like, I didn't sign up for this and, you know, I don't know if I can do this anymore, but there is a way out of that struggle. You just have to be willing to take some steps and you know, you also have to be willing to examine your own part. You know, what is, what is the part that I am contributing to the depths of our struggles right now?
0: Yeah, that's great advice. So anybody in that situation, I think should definitely go grab your book. But who else would benefit from grabbing your book?
1: Well, it is written for people who are struggling, but the issues that I talk about would apply to any marriage so if you're planning on getting married or if your marriage hits some rough patches from time to time, let's say you'd you you know you'd rate your marriage as a c It's not an a it's not an f but you're giving it a C. I think this book has something to say, because I do a a sort of an overview of the issues that you may bump up against and including dealing with baggage, dealing with expectations, emotionally responding to each other or emotional intelligence, peacemaking. And what about the impact on the kids? How can you be a leader in your marriage? So there's all these issues that I, I would hope and pray that people would find something to help them take the next step forward
0: that's great. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, and you might be finding this too, but it's funny. Well, it's not funny, but oftentimes people don't, come talking to us because, you know, we're talking about money often until things are really bad. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's so much easier when you are learning these things and applying these things when they're not so bad. You know, the best time to build a roof is when it's sunny rather than when it's raining, you know? exactly. And, and so, yeah, I would encourage anybody just to go check out the book. Linda and I are always looking for ways to improve our marriage. We're in a good spot right now. we have had some tough moments, but we're in a good spot. And we want to keep growing in it. So we want to keep learning about it.
1: Yes. Uh, and and Bob, I'd also like to say that if you have a friend, even if your friend is not sure about faith, but your friend is really struggling in their marriage, this book would be a great resource to help them with their marriage in a way that, yes, I, I do mention my faith. But I mention it as this is my personal testimony. This is how mm-hmm. our faith helped us. I'm not assuming yep that all of my readers share the same faith.
0: All right. So the book's called Before You Split. I'm assuming it's at Amazon and Barnes and Noble and everywhere else, all right? The places. All the places, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> Great. And uh, if people want to connect with you online anywhere else where can they find you?
1: Sure. At TonyNewhoff.com is my website. Uh, Smartfamilypodcast.com okay. is the, the podcast. You can reach out there as well. I'm on Instagram as Tony Newhoff and Facebook and Twitter. Awesome. So if you're having trouble with my name, though, just look up before you split.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Tony. Well, thank you for taking the time and coming out to chat with us today.
1: Such a pleasure, Bob. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, I hope you found this helpful. We had a good time having this conversation. And yeah, I just love to hear what your thoughts are on all that. And also, if you have any other suggestions for podcasts that you would like to hear, let me know over on Twitter or reach out to me over on the website, ctime.com. Have a great rest of your day. Be blessed and I'll see you next time.